you know, I still remember uh, walking around the city, and this is after having been here for about 10 years, walking around the city and going, I never, ever want to leave San Francisco. You know, it was the you know, first time, like, I mean, and I'd been reading some history about San Francisco at that point, but that was, like, that feeling of, like, this is your home now. That was Lester Raw, frontman of the Pine Box Boys. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco, a podcast all about the artists, activists, and small businesses that make this city what it is. Welcome to part two with Lester and his wife, Anita. They're the focus of our Valentine's 2024 episode. This is another long one, like part one was. In this podcast, we hear about the couple's move to San Francisco and all they've been doing in the city since 1994. Here's the conclusion of my conversation with Anita Bashirs and Lester Raw. Like, it was just yeah, like yeah. a flood. I mean, oh. it was like, I could not have planned it. I could not, yeah. I really had talked to myself. I like, was, we like, made out that night, didn't we? Did. We did. Yeah. Like, yeah. that was it. Like, yeah. the minute I saw him, I'm like, I have missed you so much. And then we got together, ditched Randy. Wait, I have to ask, though, based on this story and everything that's led up to this moment of y'all getting, who made the first move? Really? I think <laughs> you did. <laughs> yes! You they're pointing did. at each other. And, and Lisa... Uh, Schroeder, you know, you, you, you we came, came you were hanging over. around. Yeah, we, the, we yeah. broke out of we broke out of the dorm and came back over, didn't we? But I did. I do remember, like, like you know, I had told Anita. You know, I know you uh, kissed me first, and I said, "Don't do this. You're going to ruin our whole relationship." Friendship, yeah. <laughs> and you kissed me, but first. I had told you. But then you came back but over came with back Lisa. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Then oh, you know, kissing. Yeah, she needed. She needed a little more uh, lip action, you know, yeah, from the yeah. boy, boy, boy. So from that point, I think I actually dated both of you guys for a couple of months. There was some of that. And I remember telling crossover. you that it was like, yeah, you might as well dump him because, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be mine. Yes. You know? And I was like, yeah, right. Well, and then sure enough, like no one even knew we were together, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And so then when we, when I dumped Randy, um... Yeah, like we, oh, now I remember the real story. I, our parents can never listen to this. I (laughs) thought I was pregnant. Please do tell. (laughs) Yes. I thought I was pregnant because I always thought I was pregnant. Okay. Because that's that era of time. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, if you're pregnant, would you marry me? Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. And I was like, you you know, I think I would actually. Like of all, you know, and, and I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't, but then... And once she found out she wasn't, you know, then it was kind of like, well, but I still want to marry you. You already said you would. I asked her. He actually said that. He goes, you already said you would marry me. Yep, so. yep. She toyed with me a little bit, you know. No. Oh, I'm kidding. You know. So yeah. we were 22 years old. Okay. And... Okay. 92. Just, yeah. We just decided... No, 90. 90. 90. Yep. Sorry. 90. We just, we were like, yeah, you're my person. And we just knew we were each other's person. Mm-hmm. And he had it. one more semester to go. So it was kind of just like convenience. We couldn't live together because he was still in school and we'd get kicked out for that. You had an, a semester longer than yeah, hers? Yeah, changed uh, his, yeah. Because okay. I switched and also because uh, I was getting a teaching credential. Right. So, you know, that was just, you know, it, it's kind of embedded, you know, over there. But anyway, so. Uh, uh, and did you yeah. stay around? Well, yeah, because we got out. married. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. It was horrible. 
But I also dropped yeah. out of college. Okay. okay. Now, no, he uh, flunked out of college. You can't <laughs> flunk out of college. What you can do is is like you know <laughs> fail your your foreign language requirement class, and then just decide you're not going back. So he was three hours shy of of his degree. This is my and one of my recurring and, and, nightmares is getting to that point, and they're like, "You're three short." Right. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I just, you know, I, and I was trying to get it done uh, in a hurry. I'd been taking French classes, and uh, I had done Spanish in high school. So uh, I was like, I'm going to double up. I'm going to do, you know, a semester of French and Spanish at the same time. Mm-hmm. I still remember getting back the uh, the French final and the, uh, the the professor writing on there, your Spanish isn't too bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't, couldn't teach a really good sense of humor. At this point, yeah. we're already married, and we're living in a duplex in this horrible town. I'd already graduated. There's no jobs. Mm-hmm. So what is the town, by the way? Searcy, Arkansas. Yeah. Searcy? Searcy. S-E-A-R-C-Y. If it's you about 45 minutes need north to look of it up. Rock. Okay. Yeah. We're going to be there in two weeks. Okay. For the first time. In the, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. It's freaking um, me out. Um, but also at that time, I had started my first serious band, like yes. you know, where I was writing music for it. The Cosmic and, Giggle uh, Factory. Yeah, Cosmic what? Giggle Factory was the Cosmic name of the band. Cosmic Giggle mm-hmm. Factory. Uh, you know, a, a Robert Anton Wilson uh, reference. Oh, okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I was like, man, what do I need with this stupid degree anyway? You know, this is the era like, you know, you got on MTV, man, you were going to be huge. Yep. And uh, we moved down to Little Rock. and um, In like 90 or 91 now? Yeah. So Probably was I, 91 by the time we moved My job out of college, because there were no jobs in that town, was working at Captain D's Seafood Restaurant <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> the Long John Silver's competitor. Yes. Exactly. Captain D's. And not only I'm that, from that part of the world. I, I know advanced this, too yeah. quickly off of, I was supposed to only be doing the pups, the hush puppies, for the first two weeks. <laughs> this is after having a degree in journalism. And so then I advanced from from the, the Captain D's to the local hotel where yeah. I saw all kinds of things I never needed to see in that town. Swinger Central. Yeah. 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 And so, so, yeah, then he actually didn't graduate. Mm-hmm. And then... He decided not to graduate, and mm-hmm. then we moved. We just got, we just hopped right down to Little Rock. Did your whole band move with you? Or? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. we all yeah. moved to Little Rock. Yep. Okay, yeah. And yep. we started, and I started working in an alternative newspaper down there called Spectrum Weekly. We had a great community there. Yeah, and we still have friends there that we'll see in a couple of weeks. Like we had a really strong. I always said like, we always had the same kind of friends there that we have here. There were just mm. less of them there. You know, the, right. the communities are just smaller. Right. You know, right, right, so, right. but we had, no, it was the best move for us. And we had yeah. four years there and it was right when Clinton got elected for the first yes. time. Yes. And he worked downtown. Do you in remember uh, the war room? It's a, it's a documentary no. about Stephanopoulos oh. and about, uh, oh, James yes. Carvel. yes, yes, yes. I, I have a scene in there. Yeah. I'm in it. I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, uh, it's, it's, it's right uh, at the day after the election. You know, Carvel used to come in every single day mm-hmm. and, uh, and he'd all, man, I mean, you Come in where? Into the restaurant I worked at. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I left that part out. That's okay. I worked in this little uh, um, uh, pizza joint, you know, downtown, right near where, you know, they had their uh, campaign headquarters. Serving or cooking? Uh, I was serving, okay. yeah. And Carvel, yeah. Carvel would uh, would come in and uh, he'd, Cajun. he'd already he oh, already yeah. had a few you yeah, know, by the time I, he came I would in. Expect. And he wanted, you know, we had the Budweiser in the high school. You know, our, our mugs stayed in the freezer until you ordered that beer. You know, and he yeah. always wanted that. So the day after the election, he comes in. We had some 
you know, uh, we were the only place downtown that was selling beer that night. And, um, uh, and so the owner had these, uh, you know, some kegs of bush beer that hadn't sold. So we were like 50 cent bush beer, you know. So my scene in there is is me offering Carvel a bush beer. He's like, bush? Fuck that. Ah. Give me a Budweiser. <laughs> Little Rock was fun. It was, Little Rock yeah. was fun. And, and my whole thing about it is like, we left Little Rock before we hated it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, the, the new, the, you know, it's she like was working. It's a work- big town. Uh, Arkansas's Austin. Yeah, there you go. All right. He brought it back around. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Arkansas's Austin. Mississippi just doesn't have an Austin, but I, I would say that Little Rock. Yeah. Some states do. And yeah. You know what was really fun there? Like, I mean, yeah, there were scenes. There were, you know, punk bands. There were metal bands. Mm-hmm. We just all went to each other's shows. Right. You know, it wasn't clicky or something. No, 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 no. There was... wasn't enough of us to be clicky. Right. No. At least it didn't feel that way to me. I, I mean, other people may have a different take on it, you know, but yeah, the, the, the free press that she was working at closed down. Spectrum okay. Weekly. Yeah. yeah it band was... I was in broke up. Mm. And it was like, let's get, let's get out of here. We knew we wanted to leave the South. We knew we didn't want to stay in the South. But we were having a good time, and the band was going, and we really, it was, we built a great community there, and it was the beginning of, like, building an arts and music community. Did you know, you know San Francisco right away, or nope. how did how did that happen? We, uh, we've never let's, been, we had let's never. Let's get into the mist. Here we go. You know. Um, we are just now moving to San Francisco, which is what this show is all about. That's um, okay. We uh, had never been here. Uh, we had just decided that we wanted to move to an actual really, you know, bigger city. Like a city. You know? yeah, a yeah, city yeah. city. So yeah. it was L.A., San Francisco, New York. New Orleans. Chicago, New Orleans. Austin was on the list. Austin, Boston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about it. That's what we were yeah. looking at. And and back then, kids, there was no internet. No. So we... I would go to the library and get out the uh, uh, 101 uh, major metropolitan cities rated. Mm. And San Francisco, it said in there, 72 degrees, you know, was the average temperature. <laughs> yeah. So it really did. He had a cousin who had lived I out here. I imagined 72 degrees, every sunny, day. Yeah. every day. Every yeah. day. Yeah. 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 He had a cousin who, and we just started talking to everybody. Where have you lived? Where did you like? Where did you not like? You know, what did you like and not like about it? No one had anything bad to say about San Francisco. Right. Like, there were, you know, everywhere <laughs> oh, else. Oh, how times have changed. Oh, right. Yes. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> Yes, seriously. Yep. Like, it yep. was just, and he had one cousin who had lived out here before the 89 earthquake, and she moved because of the 89 earthquake. Mm. She was down in the marina, and her building went, Rrr. Oh, that'll And do she was it. like, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. And she was the one who. But she was very encouraging. Yeah, she was like, you yeah. guys would love it there. Yep. I can mm. completely see you living there. And that was kind of all it took. And I had one other friend that had moved out here that was my, my gay ex-boyfriend. And so you didn't go visit any of no. these other places you were just like I mean, we've been to New Orleans we didn't have money New Orleans of course yeah, yeah. we but, went on right. our honeymoon and, in New Orleans but we didn't have money we couldn't right. just go on these yeah, trips right. we were like let's move to a city let me ask a question because maybe you're a little bit younger than I was when I moved here but I know when I moved here I had no idea that I would just stay like I possibly I thought, for the rest of my I life I thought we would be here for five to ten years right like you, you think yeah. like oh if we like it It'll be years. something like that. You know, yeah. being a Navy kid, I was just kind of used to the fact that every few years you pack pick up, up and, and move. move yeah. You know, so I. And I, we were so young. We were what, twenty six? When we got here, twenty five. Yeah. yeah. Twenty five, yeah. twenty six. Okay. And, you know, I still remember uh, walking around the city, and this is after having been here for about ten years, walking around the city and going, 
I never ever want to leave San Francisco. Yeah, you know, it was the you know first time. Like I mean, and I'd been reading some history about San Francisco at that point, but that was like that feeling of like this is your home now. So about ten years in. Yeah, yeah. When did it happen for you? Anita? Well, I think we have an important part here of okay. that. Uh, when we mentally decided, yeah, San Francisco sounds pretty good, we still didn't have any money. Right. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was possible. Yeah. So, yeah. but that was Not when things, like, mm-hmm. once we decided this was our destination, things just started falling into place. At that point, I was working with a, a producer who did fitness shows for ESPN. Oh. And so we went on site in St. George, Utah to film all the entire, you know, you do entire seasons at one time. Mm-hmm. And um, the floor director there was lived here. Okay. And I was like, "That's great." We were we were actually thinking about moving out there. And he goes, "Well, my roommate's moving out like next month. If you guys want to come out, yeah. you can just move in with me." Mm-hmm. And we were like, "Okay." And he lived up in Twin Peaks, right beneath and, the tower, right underneath oh, Super yeah. Tower. He yeah. lived up in Twin Peaks. A good radio reception. And up there. so it makes crazy sounds at night. Yeah, it's so cool. We basically just the tower itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It, it is. We were heard the, the bridge on the way over here doing it. Uh, yeah, it yeah. So cool. I like um, that. Personally. Me too. I know. Noise pollution. Um, <laughs> so, so we, uh, yeah, so we did. Like, we went, I went back home. Uh, we scraped together everything we had. We sold everything out of our house. We packed up a two year old boxer that was unfixed. And a cat who was really cranky. Oh. And we had a little My guitars, my 66 Fender twin. Um, We shipped maybe three boxes of like household stuff. You can't hitch a trailer to a prism. We didn't. Everything in the car. Everything fit in the car. Whatever we couldn't fit in the car the day we rolled out of town, we sold right then. Mm Mm-hmm. We actually sold our TV because so you we you sold. did have some cash. We we probably had. I swear, I think we came out here with like five hundred dollars. Like we had nothing. like to your name to our yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we had enough combined. For our, yeah. Right. Okay. We had enough 94? for our first month's rent. Yep, November ninety four. Ninety four. Holy. And then we immediately landed here, and he started working at Tower Records, and I just went to a temp <sighs> agency. I know Tower. I was there. I was there. I lived the Tower thing. And you got a job there right away. Right Pretty away. Quick. Well, because yeah. you were at Peaches Records I, yeah, in Florida yeah, I'd done, for I'd years in high school. Stores plenty. Okay. You know, so you had a resume. Yeah, yeah. You had a resume for Tower. Yeah, that's Tower amazing. and pizza. That hey, was you know his what? Resume. Back then, you didn't get a job at at Tower Records if you didn't have a specialty. Experience. It's true. Right? Yeah. yeah, you need to be like, okay, well, that's our hip hop guy, and this is the world music guy. And right. This guy knows metal, and you know, and I knew a lot of stuff, and you know, and, and you know, so yeah. And was this Mark? Stonestown. Stonestown. But, okay. you know, I mean, like, you know, on inventory days, you know, I worked at the at Castro, uh, got to spend a little time over at the uh, the classical annex, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And what did you do when you landed? I just walked right into a temp agency and they hired me to work there mm-hmm. immediately because I'm a great worker. We both are really good. We have great work ethics, mm-hmm. you know, so... Um, I yeah did a couple years at the at the agency and then I've done a bunch of different things. I think we're at the point now where I would like to fast forward. I don't want to skip anything important, but we. Um, I don't think we need to. We talk we about got a lot here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I definitely want to hear the I guess origin story of Pine Box Boys. Sure. Yeah. And I want to hear the origin story of you getting involved 
doing, well, I guess you've been doing art, but like your story of... I, I wasn't for a long time. Okay. Like I was not an artist. I was starting to toy around with being an artist when we were in Little Rock, but I was self-taught, mm-hmm. um, just playing around, but I didn't take any of it seriously until really not that long ago. 2015 was my first show. Let's dig into that. You'll go first. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, fast forward after a series of academic and corporate jobs and a tenure career in PR and all the stuff I hated. And um, 2015, Annie at Mini Bar gave me my first Shout out to show. Annie. Big mm-hmm. shout out to Annie. Annie. Just talked to her this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gave me my first show. At that point, I had been renting a little studio space at my other friend's house up in up in the hate. Mm-hmm. And I always, I just had never known what to do with it, but I knew I had to do it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think about showing it or anything like that. No, but that's a form of calling. Yeah, right. I've it's, always done stuff. I you just, do it, and then I just, and I'm then like, you figure oh, out what to do with yeah, it. Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna figure out how to paint, and then I would take a little class here or there, or drawing class or paint class, you know, just here mm-hmm. and there. But it's mostly just for my own mental health. Mm-hmm. And so Annie gave me my first show at Mini Bar, and that was 2015, and that's the same year I left PR for good. Okay. And that was when I started wanting to to really get into it more. Mm-hmm. And so I had a show every year at Mini Bar for like four years. Okay. Because Annie would rotate the same artist every year. And so then that gave me reason to keep pushing my art and making more and trying different things and different mediums because every show is completely different. Mm-hmm. Like Were I, they themed or it's just the same artist? It's just the same artist. She Got never it. had themes. Yeah. Like I did the theme. I, but, like, but, I like the theme. But that means you can do whatever ever. and so you can push yourself. So pretty much looking around here, there's probably pieces from every show I ever had. Mm. So my first show was more like assemblage pieces. My second show, I got into to the pastels, the crows. Oh, those are fun. And I never picked that up again after that show. Yeah. And then, yeah, just, you know, I always just, whenever I put a show together, it's just its own thing. Yeah. But I always thought, I'm a terrible artist because I can't brand myself. Like, nobody, like, I don't mm. have a, a single look for everything I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that just expanded. And then I decided after I left PR, I had the dream of getting on the curating side. Again, I have no formal art education. Mm-hmm. Like, and I and I always was like, I felt really intimidated by artists and mm-hmm. the art scene and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. I didn't consider myself in that. So well, artists are kind of the worst. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Just there is kidding. like to talk about where they got their MFA. You know? Well, yeah. and that was not where I was. And I'd even thought about doing those things. I resented yeah. for years that I didn't know about all this when I was in school and could have done it. You know, right. like I was like, why didn't I know this earlier? You know, so well, something you have a lot more experience with, and that I have a little bit of experience with, is curating shows and it's I'm just gonna say it's rewarding but it's kind of a lot of work it's so much work (laughs) it's so much work I always tell people now because you know when you take your commission and people are like oh you're taking a commission I'm like yeah Uh, yeah. like your art would be in your closet yeah I'm not (laughs) I'm not genie over here like I can it's a lot of work so how that came about is I had kind of decided I wanted to start doing that and I was down at fly bar which is below us below right us now. right now. Mm-hmm. And um, Eric Anderson was still running it back then, mm-hmm. before the pandemic. And he wanted, he needed somebody to, to do the art shows there. And I said, you know what? I want to do that. And he's like, really? Do you know artists? I go, I do. I go, and I've always wanted to do this. And so mm-hmm. he's the one that gave me my first chance to curate. Okay. 
So my friend, I got, my very first show was a travel photography show. This and is I, 2019 or maybe early 2020? Yeah. Super weird. Around then. 2018, maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, we've been doing it for five years last year. So what's that? Yeah, 18. Yeah. So I got like five of my friends who I thought take, took great photos and traveled a lot. And we did a travel show down there. And then my friend Greta, who was in the show, she and I decided, this is fun. Let's do it. So we did it together. And we curated Fly for up until the pandemic. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like it's only huge. you two? Yeah. All their show. Okay. Yeah. So, and it had never really had rotating art like that, like consistently. Mm-hmm. So, and we, so Eric let us just take it and the shows were really good and fun. And then I got involved with the Divisadera Art Walk mm-hmm. and cause Jesse Flo, his wife was involved and Giselle down at Rare Device and then Tasha mm-hmm. Welch, uh, who has moved now, but does fiery red design. Uh, we ran the art walk just out of by the seat of our pants, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. like not with funding, not with anything. And then we got vendors involved and yeah. And then the pandemic hit mm-hmm. and, um, Greta had to go back to the East coast. Her mom is older. Mm-hmm. And so she had to go be with her mom during the pandemic. But I was just like, I want to, I want to keep it going. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think the also- pandemic really, really, you know, for both of us kind of like, you know, push the urgency of like, Oh my God! Circle the wagons. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we keep our neighborhood as awesome as it's been? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I also had started doing art shows over at Alamo Square Cafe, which is right by my apartment. Mm-hmm. And so they stayed open during the whole pandemic because they were a coffee shop. Right. So I just started flipping the shows over there. It's the only thing I had control over. And man, I started selling a lot of art out of there because people were bored and they didn't have anything to do with their money. But also, it's like it, that, that's wonderful for you and something to do and whatever. But also, those artists. Yeah. Keeping them. Yeah, because at this point, we had built a pretty good network of artists. Li- the livelihood and, yeah. the, you know, all that. It's, so yeah. that kept it going, and I'm forever grateful to Nelson and Melanie, who own that place, for they just mm. letting me have it. Melanie actually still helps me do it today. Like, oh, awesome. She helps me with my business. So, um, yeah, we kept it going with the cafe, and then when things started opening up again, Eric left. He moved to the East Coast eventually. From Flybar. Yeah. Okay. But he, he actually left Flybar and opened another place down in the Tenderloin. Mm. And I had a couple of shows over at his place down in the Tenderloin too. Mm-hmm. But it was just like slowly amassing different places. Mm-hmm. And But the Flybar was our big generator. Mm-hmm. And so Annie left Mini Bar during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And Aaron took over. Mm-hmm. And so I had asked... Aaron, him, sorry, uh, for listeners, Aaron Kehoe, who has, been on this, who, has, who has been on this podcast. Yes, she has. Yes. Um, and so I had asked Annie, look, if they need any help with the art, tell them I'd be interested in helping. And, and she was just, she was like, you know, you can just talk to yourself. She's like, I'm out. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that's fair. Yeah. And so I emailed Aaron and I said, Hey, you don't know me. This is what I do. Um, I've shown there. It's really important to, you know, love mini bar. And so she was thrilled because she didn't know that art shows came with the job. Mm. So that was a surprise to her. And she's like, I don't even know how to do this. I would love your help. So we just switched out. We do every other one. So it's not too much on either one of us. And, and when did that start? That started last year. Mm-hmm. Oh, just in 2022. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. And it's progressed from there. Mm-hmm. And then we just added beanbag not that long ago. So, and now I'm kind of to capacity. And then Greta has kind of decided not to come back. So basically where we're at right now is 
I'm like, I either, we, we actually have moved $50,000 worth of local wow. art in five years. Wow. Which is, and when you're talking about pieces that are between like $40 and $300, a lot of you know, it's not like that represents two pieces of art, you know? Right. So I was like, this is important. Mm-hmm. You know, this like is. Like if you live in San Francisco, you've, you've decided to, you know, put some roots down here. Why not have local artists on your wall? Mm-hmm. 100%. It became my, my business model became free walls. If I wasn't paying for a gallery and I, you know, or anything mm-hmm. like that, then I could take a lower commission. And then it just became, hey, people who are willing to let me come in and do this, you do nothing. And then we built, we were the first ones to come up with a system that you could buy it right off the label mm. with the QR code. Mm-hmm. And we still use our own proprietary system, mm-hmm. which is clunky, but it works. Now, now you see it. But that means that no show has to be manned. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to train every single person that works at a place or you don't have to, the bar's full and you want to buy a piece of art and you have to get the notebook out and you have to take the credit card. Like that Which, was the game changer. The and bar Greta, being full at many doesn't take many people. No, right, and right. Greta was the one who built all of that and I would never be able to do that oh, without that's her. Amazing. So she became kind of back of the house and I was front of the house. Mm-hmm. And then now she just, she can't do it anymore. She's mm-hmm. just not here enough and yeah. all of that. So now I am finally launching out on my own. And let's tell people about that if you're ready to tell people about that. I have changed the name. It is now called Known SF. I wondered if that's what that, that was. Is what the, that's yeah. the logo. Yeah. Jason Ryan in the neighborhood made the logo. And what kind of afforded me to do that too is like I was like stressed about how am I going to do this without Greta because she is totally the tech admin organized organizing brain behind it all. And I didn't have to worry about any of that. And I mm-hmm. liked that. Mm-hmm. But um, I was sitting in the fly bar and Hannah came in and was like, you know, if you ever need any help, I see what you do in the community and I would be happy to volunteer if you ever need any administrative help or anything. Damn, and I'm like, and that's it's awesome. just like moving out here. It's like once you decide this is what I need to do, then the things just show up. And, you know, I, I don't think of any of this that much differently than I think about my church growing up. Right. Because it's community. Yeah. And I am, and to be of service is something yeah. that people I People helping up. people. People and, helping people yeah. is just how we were raised. Yeah. And it's a good part of how we were mm-hmm. raised. Mm-hmm. And bringing that into this, like, we have such an amazing community here in mm-hmm. this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just worth protecting, you mm-hmm. know? And it's worth, so I just realized, okay, this is what I do. I, I bring opportunities to other, and, and I also was like, you know what, I don't care if I'm not a fine artist and I don't care if I'm ever in the fine art scene. I care about local artists, I care about opportunities, I care about giving people like me more opportunities, and I've worked with so many amazing people, and if it's, if it's not up somebody's alley, if they don't want to show in a cafe or bar, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I don't take any offense to that, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who do. So a couple of my just principles that I've had is like, I always like to have somebody who it's their first show. Oh, so like fun. You I can like that, never yeah. relive that feeling of the first time you see your art on a wall. Yeah. You can never relive the feeling of the first time a stranger first buys a piece sale. of your art. Yeah. You know, like your yes. friends will buy it all day long. Yes. Your, your family will buy it. But when a stranger just buys a piece because they like it, you're like, oh, the validation is great. Mm-hmm. So I love reliving that every show. So mm-hmm. I always try to have at least somebody who it's their first show. I always try to have somebody, uh, at least one person who's over 50. I'm over mm-hmm. 50. Mm-hmm. And the reason is I did years of 
of recruiting and I just see the ageism everywhere, you know? So it's important to me that there's opportunity always out there. Getting someone started and keeping someone going Mm -hmm. is part of of why I do this. I love that. Yeah, me too. Those are really good. So it's just all kind of happened and now it's happening. And yeah, I'll be launching it later this this year. I mean, it's building it all right now. Mm -hmm. I have a lot to learn from you, I'll say. Um, Because like I said, I've done it a couple of times. I want to do it again. Good. I think. Yeah. yeah you maybe, do. maybe after a little while. You do. I think there's a lot of things I want to well, do. Well, that's but... kind of the thing about expanding that's hard. Like, I'm, I don't think my next step is going to be trying to take over that many more venues because mm. it's a lot of work to come up with every single show. Right. Like, my cafes, I leave them up for four months because mm-hmm. it's a much more passive audience, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mini bar is an art bar. People know to buy art there. Half of my house is full of art I bought at mini bar, right. you know? So. Like, if you've got a place that already is identified as a place that moves art, people already know to buy it there. If you're starting from scratch, it takes about two to three shows before people start buying. It's really interesting, the psychology. like the, Because I think people see it and they just think it's decor. But then when it changes and they go, I could have bought that. I really liked that. And then, then they're looking. Mm-hmm. You know, after clicks. two or three, they're like, oh, it's new art. What's up? And I have people at every single venue that repeat buy out of every show. Oh, that's awesome. Like, as, Repeat like customers. Every Consumer, show. Like, I, I just sold my first piece at Alamo Square Cafe from the show I put up, and it's a guy that's probably about 10 pieces of art there. Like, oh, I can tell he's awesome. like, oh, it's a new show. What do I want? You know? And that's, that's so the mentality great. you want. And I do, like, I prefer, I will never tell an artist how much to price their work, but I do prefer working with people who have a price point that people can afford. Yeah. You know, that anyone, you know, like if you see it, you can buy it, you can afford it. You right. know, like once it gets too pricey, it's like harder for people to, to make that split decision. And I'm not going to name names. I've been to those shows. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's super cool. Oh. Yeah, oh. I can't afford that. Yeah. And I'm not saying it doesn't deserve that. As it's my just... Texan dad would say, does say, oh, they're proud of that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if, but uh, affordability is accessibility, right? It's I like, feel I found my little area finally yeah, in the arts. Yeah. Like, and the people who want to be on this ride with me have a good time, and we have a good time doing it. And I'm not trying to be anything but that. Fuck yeah. yeah. You know, like I got nothing to prove here. I'm looking at this. This is a perfect time for you to. Well, um... <laughs> can I just share my story? Um, I mean, seeing the Pine Box, Box Boys, I was introduced. Like I'd heard of y'all, but at your birthday at Madrone. Okay. All right. Just last year. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they're fucking fun. Oh, thank you. You know, we've got 20 years in this city, you know, of doing that stuff. And, um, you know, so many of the things that, you know, you hear Anita talking about, about community, you know, I mean, that was, that's what made it important to play music when we were, you know, uh, living in Little Rock. When I came out here, I had a tough time getting anything going. Mm. Um, And, and. I I had huge confidence issues, and you know, Cosmic Eagle mm. Factory had its little run up the ladder. You know, we were doing pretty well out there, and mm-hmm. and you know, and I just kind of thought, well, I'll just get another band going. You know, and you were playing guitar only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At that okay. time, just guitar. Okay. And um, you know, so yeah, it took me a little while. Um, you know, like I said, I worked at Tower Records, and you know, and I, I would meet musicians, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah, as far as like doing the kind of stuff I wanted to do, I wasn't finding that, and 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 again, I didn't feel, you know, uh, you know, I just didn't feel like I was good enough, 
mm. you know, at the time. Yeah. Um, it's hard to compete with that. Yeah. And so I just... You I were intimidated by the city, too. Yeah, when we first moved Yeah, there. I mean, yeah, you know, you're in a world-class city, you know? And I, you... I got back into school out at San Francisco State. Yes, I did, did eventually finish the whole degree, <laughs> you know. Well, and you're only got three hours short. Teaching <laughs> credential. That is a whole other story yeah. there that I'm not yeah. going to go into. Although, you know, sitting there with an academic advisor and them looking at my transcripts... You know, and, and those ask, classes we talked and about asking about those classes. You <laughs> yeah. know, um, Wait, but, uh, just quickly, what was your degree uh, in, in English lit? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, what the hell are you going to do with that, right? Same. You know, that is yep. that is you know, and it was and I that have was one the whole thing. I'm sitting there at the end as I'm finishing up, you know, uh, um, you know, my degree and going like law school. Eh, you know, California's never shorted uh, suffered from a shortage of, of lawyers. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I was like. Eh, you know, I want to be a teacher. I was what that's what I was gonna do. So I started, you know, I got into the credential program and that's when, you know, I met uh folks like Kellyanne Callahan who, you know, uh owns this part. Yeah, this is her, you her know, her apartment. name's on the lease here mm-hmm. and and uh and then her boyfriend, uh Tim Leather, or her boyfriend at the time, Tim Leather, is still now my bass player. Mm-hmm. Um I met those guys through a fella in the credential program, uh Maddie Berman. He uh, he and another fellow in the neighborhood, Taryn Ramage, they had a, a band called uh, uh, Riptopolis. Uh, before that, they, 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 they were in a band called um, uh, Litterbox. And they were, you know, that, that became like my pickup game of basketball. They invited me out. Hey, you know, we kind of need a lead guitar player. Why don't you come For out? gigs or? Well, I, at the time, we would just go down to a rehearsal space down in Moss Street and drink a bunch of beer, and I just learned their songs. Yeah. And, but, you know, there was that thing. I was like, wow. This is. I'm gonna get to play a gig in San Francisco. Yes. You know, first one we were over at uh, what is it called, New George's, over in, in San Rafael. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that band got together. You know, uh, like I said, Maddie and I were both finishing up our teaching credential mm-hmm. when. Um, I love it, a teacher band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it. And when he finished, you know, he and his beautiful <laughs> wife Emily, they uh, they packed up, and they moved up to Humboldt, and then would eventually move to England. Mm. You know, where he would teach over there. But anyway, yeah, the, the band just that band just kind of split up amicably. There was wasn't one of those like you know, you know, smashing guitar, you know, kind of band breakup things. It was it was like, oh, well, we're gonna go do this now. But so, you had become a full fledged member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just a yeah. fill in, yeah. And, uh, you know, I do remember we played, uh, you know, you remember they used to close off uh, Golden Gate and do, like, uh, uh, Fourth of July parties out there? You yeah, know? it's still a slow street. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. But uh, back then they would just close it close down it, on right. July the 4th. Everybody would have right. their grills out. We played, you know, those a few years. And, um, but when, uh, yeah, but when that band, you know, split up, um, Tim and I were like, well, let's keep playing music together. You know, okay. we found another drummer. Another guy who lived in the neighborhood, and uh, and we started doing like real noisy, abstract. I mean, like our joke was, you know, the band was called the Zagman. If the Zagman were playing, nobody's getting laid tonight. You know, uh, it was true. We could clear a bar. I mean, we could Sounds empty the fun. place out. You know, um, and uh, and I'd had I'd had experience playing that kind of music. I'd uh, you know worked with a, a band called um, uh, Reagan's Polyp. Uh, oh, for, for a long time, you in know. Little so, Rock, yeah, yeah, that was back in Little Rock. So, noise you know, bands, I, yeah. I was, I was, I was definitely about noise. I was into, you know, Zorn and that is you a know, great. A lot of I'm that sorry, stuff. Reagan's Pollock. Yeah, I know. <laughs> really good. No, they're a great band. I think there's still some. There's of their a stuff lot of vinyl Spotify. out there. Yeah. 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 But um, 
Yeah, so when we decided, okay, like, you know, well, we met some folks that uh, um, uh, would put on shows over at ATA, mm-hmm. Artist Television mm-hmm. Access, still 21st. Still there. Yeah, yeah, still there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we started doing uh, soundtrack to silent films. You oh, know, awesome. did a number of things over there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Nosferatu, The Man Who Laughs. We did uh, Cabinet of Caligari. We mm-hmm. did uh, Haxon. That was a fun one to do. Uh, uh, let's see, Passion of Joan of Arc. I did like a solo guitar thing for that. It, 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 in my mind, I was like, this is it. This is all I want to do. Were you paid for that? Of a pittance. Stipend, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it was, I was like, and, and at that point, I'd started teaching. You know, mm-hmm. this was just like, man, this is my thing. Other people go out and play golf. You know, mm-hmm. I'm doing soundtracks to silent films. That's, yeah, that's my thing. That's and, amazing. Um, and then we started doing the Pine Box Boys on like, you know, if if we didn't want to go down to the rehearsal space and you know plug everything in and make a lot of loud noise, we would come over here. Mm. You know, the drummer and the bass player lived here, and uh, and. You know, Dodds would throw uh, the drummer. He would throw like a big blanket over his drums to muffle him. You know, I'd show up with an acoustic guitar. You know, Tim had a, an acoustic bass, and I just started showing him like old bluegrass tunes. Yes. And then that you just already knew. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I grew up with that stuff. Right. You know. I think it's important to say here that he, his mom used to sing him to sleep to old British murder ballads. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing! Like, and they were passed down through his family because she, yeah. Thanks, so, mom. Yeah, yeah that's she's fucking awesome. Very, yeah, she's very dark for a Christian. You know, with the with the band, yeah, I I, I focused on showing them murder ballads mainly. Knoxville okay. Girl, you know, Silver Dagger, Bluegrass Murder like yeah, Ballads. Yeah, okay, yep. Yeah. And this was all in the next room from uh, us right just now. Just a couple, yeah, right like, in the next that, room. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. And um, <laughs> look, I, I I mean, it was the side project to the side project in my life. Right. You know? Right. Uh, when it started, you know, well, let's see, Old Brother, Where Art Thou came out, and yeah, that, that, yeah. that soundtrack exploded. Suddenly that people had an interest, yeah. you know, in, in Americana in a bigger way than they'd had before. And mm-hmm. we were getting booked, you know, uh, a lot. As the Pine Box Boys? As the Pine Box mm-hmm. Boys. Okay. Yeah, you know, like I said, you know, nobody wanted to come out and hear the Zagmen, but, you know, suddenly people wanted to hear the Pine Box Boys. Right. And this is old day Cafe du Nord, you know. Mm, I mm-hmm. mean, like, we would sell that place out, you yeah. know. And, and it would be folks from here in the neighborhood, you yeah. know. It was like, an easy walk over there. Bars liked us because we had a drinking cup. And you know, at that time, too, there was a little Americana bluegrass thing going on here. Like, oh, there yeah. were quite I a few bands. Red yeah. Meat was one of the first, you know, local bands mm. I ever saw when I came out here, you know, so... Uh, Can I ask, when about was this? Like, roughly? Uh, 2003. Yeah, probably no. 2003, 2004. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. 2004. Yeah. I mean, at that time, it had been a minute or so since you'd moved here, but we were yeah. talking about the, like, really feeling like you were, this is home and everything, but also, like, Café du Nord is such a special place. Like, it really was. Walking it down was. those red-ass stairs, it and yes. red, and you're just like, what is this? And, you know, around about that time, you know, uh, um, you know, we started started touring a lot more. I gave up my tenured teaching position. I was going to ask about because we haven't yeah. talked much about your day job. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I did that, and we, you know, uh, like I said, we gave up the, the, you know, I gave up the teaching job for the band to go on the road. We did a pretty solid two years of, of I'd say of between 2006 and 2009, yeah. it was really, that's when we started going to Europe. I was going to ask, yeah. yeah, just the country, but you, at least mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But then, yeah, like, like in 2006, I was still, like, you know, leveraging summers, 
spring breaks, you know, those kind of things, yeah. you know. Uh, and, and at the end of the 2006, 2007 year, you know, I was like, all right, you know, I'm not going to get many more opportunities to do this in life. Right. Let's, let's give it a shot, yeah. you know. And we all did. We you know, just, you know, we bought a... 89 Ford Econoline and off on the road we went. Everybody have... in bands knows the Econoline. Oh, I totally. That, yeah, that's... Did you, have, you had windows then. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Rape, not a rapist fan. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Well, um, if, y'all, if y'all were touring, uh, especially so extensively and for so long, mm-hmm. you must have had some releases and recordings. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's stuff a, out. Oh, so. yeah, we got a bunch of records out. Um, and just finished recording a new one. So I think it's oh, the good. sixth record. But, you know, there's a... Uh, um, the Wait, now, now or at the time? No, we just finished. No, I just finished. Just, just oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we at the time, released it, yeah. couple of things. Yeah, out. we had like two records out. By, oh, okay. by, Yeah, by the time we started uh, um, uh, going on the road, we had finished Arkansas Killing Time. Um, mm. Stab would come very quickly. You know, after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Child of Calamity. Um, by the time we were getting to the other records, I'd already gone back to teaching, but we were still, you know, we were still trying to get out on the road whenever we could. Summers, mm-hmm. again, like, you know, and we would still always do the uh, the, the, the Europe tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never, you know, I, I mean, really, it's when I got into school administration, that really started to eat into, you know, going out on the road time. That's a different game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, um, but... That also kind of, you know, kind of brought me back to, you know, uh, well, pay attention to what's going on in your backyard. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, during the pandemic, you know, seeing all the venues close, having mm-hmm. no place to play music, you know, that was really hard. Mm-hmm. And look, I love sitting around and, and, you know, making stuff up on GarageBand, but that mm-hmm. is a pale comparison, you know, to uh, to really getting together with your band. Um, did y'all do any streaming stuff? Or we that... did. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a couple of online festivals, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and some pretty fun productions, you yeah. know, that we put together. I mean, you know, yeah. we, I, but yes. still it's still getting no, but yeah, it's you're not, not getting quite that immediate connection. Yeah. Yeah. Tom uh, Tierney, who owns Pops uh, with, with Spike, the, you know, mm-hmm. um, Tom's been on the podcast. Yeah. So is Spike. Hey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, uh, Tom was, was one of the first ones we played, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in his, his parklet mm-hmm. out there, mm-hmm. uh, some al- alabaster, uh, yeah. Sorry, alabaster but... was, was really good about going around and finding, you know, parklets to play in. And, you know, we'd, we'd come out there, you know, we wouldn't bring a drummer with us, you know, right. it would all be just kind of, you know, kind of quiet acoustic gigs. Um, but we were we were regulars at uh, uh, Madrone when when he started you know doing the the carry out drinks you know because mm-hmm. we just we just like, we can't let this place close we Correct. were both lucky and we were both I'm employed thirsty. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. <laughs> we were both employed during the pandemic yeah so we spent a lot of money supporting everyone in the neighborhood mm-hmm. any way we could and if mm-hmm. that meant drinking a lot of cocktails then mm-hmm. we had to drink exactly, a lot of cocktails exactly you know one for the team our livers yep. be damned yep <laughs> no um, Madron, Madron, and there's a million other examples like still I still feel that way about these places yeah. where like I feel I guess it's ownership or like Mm-hmm. Protect protectiveness of them, territorialness. Like, yeah. These... Oh, absolutely. And at some point, you know, uh, and this is you know things that opened up. We're really starting to open up again. You know, you still, you know, had indoors. You were still probably wearing a mask, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, but Anita just one day looked at Spike's like, "Why don't you let Lester do a show here?" 
Well, no, we had started kind of talking, and, and shout out to, to Spike as well, because he he's always, I've done two window installations there, oh. he's, you know, and I've done one show there, and we'll probably have another one uh, this year there. Um, awesome. He is such a great supporter of arts and music, mm -hmm. and he really runs his business in a way that, yeah, he makes a lot of money on some of the, you know, the nights that aren't his favorite music mm. so that he can afford to have the days and nights that are Boom. the community stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's also just smart. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. he's a really smart business person in mm -hmm. my opinion, at least. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, during the pandemic, it was like, you know, he had been talking about maybe having a residency somewhere. We were talking to Deluxe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. About mm, having wow. a residency up there. Because that was like Speaking a of the broken-hearted. Yep. Yep. But that was one of the places, and he and Meredith were going to put together a band, mm. and they were going to do a residency up at Deluxe, okay. and you, we all know what happened with that. Mm -hmm. But they were right there about to pull the trigger when all that stuff started happening. And I was like, oh, well, it'd be cool if you could do a residency at Madrone. And we had been talking to Spike, and I was like, you know, well, why, why can't they do a residency at Madrone? And he's like, why can't he? And mm -hmm. so he's like, why don't you just take the first Sunday of every month? Because that was the open mic Sundays. Okay. And w this was once it's once it was fully open, where when when it was like still kind of gets and right starts. It was right when it opened. Back well, remember up. that he was because there was the whole issue, you know, uh, of musicians. Uh, having to have their vaccination. Oh yeah, we went through the whole play. period of yeah. you couldn't actually play in a in a venue unless everyone had proof of that. There was the time. I mean, a long time where you couldn't go there, into, into places. Anywhere. Yeah, you had that, to show. You had to show same, your thing. Yeah. same thing with yeah. that, like for playing and everything. And so, so yeah, that just started up after the pandemic. I mean, talk about a great community thing. Mm. Like Apocalypse Sunday has really turned into such a like. I never. I always say. Having gigs as a band is like hosting a party that you don't have to clean up after and all your people just come and you don't have to buy a bunch of food. They mm -hmm. buy their own drinks. But it is like I never know who's going to show up, but it's always this a great mix of people from the neighborhood. Yep. And it's become a really lovely, like, yeah, people thing... look forward to the first Sunday of every month. It's still happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. happening we, uh, We're actually uh, November was our second year anniversary okay. of doing this. Um, and and yeah, the you know the idea is oh you know it's the last party ever the world's gonna end yes. you know um, it was born out of the pandemic yes right exactly yeah. with with you know and, and obviously everything I do has this sort of grim overtone to it you know but mm -hmm. tongue in cheek gallows humor that kind of sure. thing and uh, you know and so you know with the, with apocalypse Sunday the whole point is is actually okay yeah it's the last party ever but what you know if the world doesn't end Right. See we'll you come back and try it again next month. We'll see you, you next know? month. <laughs> and what we want is for people to, you know, uh, enjoy one another's company as if it's the last time right. you're ever going to see each other. Right. Hence the uh, the the Apocalypse Sunday toast uh, to the end of the world, to each other, and to hyper cockroach of tomorrow to whom the future belongs. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, you know, so uh, but it's it's been fun, and you know, always I'm I'm looking for you know I'm, I'm steered away from the singer songwriter thing. I want bands in there, even if they're small combos. I don't care if it's a duo, trio, whatever. But you know, let's let's do something more than I mean. There's plenty of times you can go out and hear a singer songwriter. Let's mm -hmm. let's try to make this something a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it's been great because I've I've gotten to find you know, all these these marvelous musicians around the city and bring them in. 
I, I, I'm not, you know, Club Deluxe, you know, you had to be, you know, a very vintagey type band, right? Yeah. yeah. You had you to be know? good. And you had but, to be good. No. But yeah, but there was the whole, like, yeah, you know, you were, you're, you know, playing blues, jump, jazz, something like that to be there, you know, and I, I haven't held it to that. I'm trying to bring anything in there. Got it. You know, we had JF come out and do, you know, hip hop. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, punk bands, rock bands. Yeah, we had um, Clay, you know, mm. bring, uh, you know, uh, Strange Cities you yes. know, in there. They killed. It was so much fun. But Apocalypse and, Sunday is yours. Yeah. There's yeah, always yeah. Okay. yeah we always play, band. and then I bring a guest in. But you yeah. curate, whatever. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, you yeah. produce that show. Okay. And, you know, and, and, and it's fun because that's at Madrone, and then, you know, my wife is uh, curating art shows just a few blocks away, you know. And it's yeah. just really these three blocks have become... I had a. I used to work at a company in Portland, and when my manager would come down, I'd take him. And we were sitting over at Bar Crudo, and everybody came. I was like, "Hey, I need a hand." And he's like, "Where are we? Sesame Street?" And I'm like, "No, I'm only. I'm actually really only popular on these three blocks. If we go anywhere else in the city, nobody knows who I am. But on these three blocks, I'm wildly popular." Uh, but, Sesame yeah. Street was probably three blocks long. Let's <laughs> right? be real. That's, I never saw it. And that's <laughs> all you. Well, and, right. <laughs> and and you know, I mean, I I I. I I hope, I know people are doing this sort of thing in their neighborhoods. We just did First Fridays in North Beach. We and, went out oh, last night to First um, Fridays in North Beach. And, and it's become one of my favorite things that we do is now we're going out to all the other activities in the city looking for other musical acts that can play at Apocalypse Sunday. And I'm looking for yeah. artists. that yeah. I And I'm looking for venues I might want to guest curate at mm-hmm. or stuff like that. So it's become, because another thing I'm really passionate about is we do have all of these beautiful little communities around the city, but they don't necessarily know each other. So with the art shows, like my next step is people need to know Jason Ryan in the Castro mm-hmm. or in North Beach or, you know, we can be moving our little local artists around yeah. in the city for more exposure. It's and there's wonderful. a thing about like, you know, uh, to me, you know, th- th- this is about survival. Um and, and and not just, you know, okay, yeah, we made it through the pandemic or, or that, you know, when the building up there on McAllister and Visadero caught fire, I mean, uh, our dear friends, uh, and my banjo picker, sax player, you know, Guy Possum, you know, he's he lived there. Mm. Our artist, you know, Tabitha's done, yeah, his, his wife, uh, who did all of our, you know, uh, Pine Box Boy art. I mean, she lived there, you know, <laughs> and... Uh, but there was a community here that I need to help rally, you know, that, uh, that that got everybody together and and uh, um, raised money, you know, to help those folks. So it's like, get out and know your neighbors. Get out and do that stuff. You guys have, perhaps unwittingly, but also it's been kind of through this whole recording, you've walked into what I want to rap with. Uh, every season on our show, we have a theme. And the theme of this season that we're in right now is we're all in it. Mm-hmm. Right on. I mean, you guys both just walked right into that. I just want to know, like, is there any other anything else you want to say about that idea? I I feel like to be in it, you have to be out there. You you know, I know that. I mean, we have a lot of very introverted friends who don't get out. We have mm-hmm. people who don't go to bars. You know, we also just had a pandemic to be. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't get over that, you know, and I get that. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I look at bars as one of the fabrics of community. Um, And again, wrapping it back around to how we grew up in, in church, you know, it was like it's just it doesn't matter 
where it is that your community is, just be a part of it. Cause, you know, just contribute mm-hmm. and just support. Like maybe you support it just by showing up and buying a piece of art. But I guarantee you, and we, we've been doing this stuff for so long, we never get mad if people don't come to shows. No. We just get happy when people do. do. Yeah. You know, and that's another thing. These these artists and musicians, they, they get upset about it. Don't get upset about anything. Just do it. Just be out there doing it. Just be a part of the fabric. Just be a part of the reason to leave your house. Where you know, is. like give us, give your, give other people a reason to have someone to talk to. Like, I go downstairs and eat lunch at Fly all the time because it's right downstairs. But also, I know I'll never eat eat lunch alone. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Like, I'm like, wow, I'm hungry. And I go down and I have a great conversation with Regina or Matt or Alan or, you know, there's always some or whoever's working, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and Erin has said it a million times about Minibar. Like, she's lived in a lot of neighborhoods. She's like, there's not a neighborhood like this. Like, we really are invested in each other. And we look out for each other. Tomorrow, Apocalypse Sunday is going to be dedicated to Markham Sherwood, who just mm-hmm. passed away on Christmas mm-hmm. Day, and a very good friend and part of this community. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's going to be packed. I know it is because mm-hmm. there are so many people in this neighborhood who care, genuinely care about each other. Yeah. That's what happens when you're in it. And, and there's to- a time in life, you know, you never know when you need your neighbors to make a casserole for you. Yeah. Right? And if you don't, if you don't know your neighbors, Nobody's going to make you a casserole. That was Anita Bashirs and Lester Roth, our Valentine's 2024 couple. On our next podcast, we'll meet Denise Coleman and Doug Stiles from Huckleberry Youth. Episode 10 drops next Tuesday, wherever you get podcasts. Music for Storied San Francisco was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our sixth season, we have more than 200 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're able to, please rate and review the show and drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Keep rejecting those silly doom loop narratives about our city. Stay wacky, weird, healthy, and creative. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. We acknowledge and respect the first humans of the unceded land we call San Francisco, the Ramaytoshaloni. We condemn the genocide of these and other tribes across the Western Hemisphere. We honor their legacy and history, and we support rematriation and sovereignty efforts. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.